up everybody we've begun paul you're just getting paul asmr just eating fucking frozen shrimp (laughs) no i put the shrimp away i'm eating turkey now (laughs) (laughs) just fucking make a meal dude i didn't have time we're doing the podcast no time just eating cold cuts of turkey (laughs) tell me you at least have some fucking like cheese or something wrapped up with it like a little roll up I usually do, but I'm I'm in a rush right now. Jeez, dude, that's gnarly. <laughs> they call yeah, it a workman's like, dinner. It's kind of, it's kind of a dinner that I don't really tell people that I have sometimes. Just straight up yeah. turkey. But now it's all out there. What's I'm trying to think of embarrassing dinners that I eat by myself sometimes. My okay, here's one. I just sometimes for dinner I'll just have like two tortillas. And I, I'll like rip them up into little pieces and I'll just put different sauces on the pieces and then that's it. And then that's pretty much it. Like I'll just sit, I'll just sit over the stove just with my tortillas, just like a little hot sauce on this one, little barbecue sauce on that one, little teriyaki on this one. Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah. In the summer, I just go banana beer. Oh, yeah, just drink beer. Yeah. That's a good like one. The banana, the banana's uh, healthy, and then I just have two beers to three beers with that. And what is that? Dinner. The the uh, the Wells banana beer or whatever banana bread beer? I don't know. I think I know the one you're talking about. The other night I did slices of pre cooked ham on the on a, on a burner, on a pan, and then put little slices of cheddar cheese on them and melted them. That was pretty good. That sounds pretty fucking good, dude. It's like gourmet quick man, a quick dinner, dude. Know? I bet that's keto. Yeah, it I definitely bet, is uh, keto. It's definitely fucking keto and gluten free, dude. Yeah. I bet li- I bet Liver King approves. <laughs> oh my god! Oh. Like, yeah, it is really just like finding like little bits mm-hmm. and then organizing them in some context with like one other <laughs> ingredient. Yeah, like, I did it. I yeah, dude, this cooked. is a meal. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely a fucking meal. It's I, like my... making a cocktail, and it's like. You put one other thing in a drink, and you're like, "I'm a mixologist, yeah, basically." Dude, yeah, you know, yeah, like just fucking monster and or sprite and vodka, dude. Matt's little potion. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Well, uh, this is the Spinecrackers podcast, everybody. Yeah. Um, about books and uh, the specifically the ones that we've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, including today's, <laughs> including today's, you'll book. be glad uh, to know. Yeah. yeah I, so. Um, I don't know if you want us to review a book that uh, we haven't read. read. Yeah. And do, we don't read. That'd be funny. Just review a book that we haven't read. None of us have read at all. <laughs> like, they, they do that sometimes. And try like to do the, our best. Like a joke, like you get like a still from a movie or something. And yeah. You have to, like, create the plot out of whole cloth from like that one reference point. That's a good idea. We should I mean, maybe like, do that for the Patreon or something. Something stupid. Yeah. Just look at a cover in the title and just try and completely write the novel in our head <laughs> yeah i think that's a great idea 
Today's novels was written though. My name is wait, my name's person. my name's Gabe though, by the way. I'm I'm Matt. I'm Paul. The, with the sh- with the uh, he's eating the shrimp. And, I'm not uh, eating I, shrimp. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, we mentioned the Patreon for the show, which we have if you like the show and if you like this episode or, or any of the other ones that we have, which we do, we do have a number of them. It's uh, patreon.com slash spinecrackers where you can uh, listen to the full version of each episode. We only do an hour or so for the uh, unwashed masses um, yeah. and uh, who, who, you know, don't, uh, you know, we're just kidding. We love you all. But yeah. if you want to hear the yeah. full show and see some other videos and join our fun Discord, which is fun and, and um, cool and get good recommendations from smart people, <laughs> then uh, patreon.com slash spinecrackers for yeah. as little as $2 a month. Sell that shit. Yeah, there it is. Done. Um, oh, and you can ask us uh, Q&A questions, which we're going to do at the end of this episode from the Discord uh, in, in the Patreon segment only. That's right. We interact. Yeah. There's a There's a circuit... A closed circuit. Exactly. I don't know if that's right, but but there's um, interactivity. Yeah. We're, so we're accessible. We love to interact. Um, anyway, so yeah, we're talking about a book today uh, called Indiana by George Sand, which uh, a.k.a. Well, hold on. Let me pull up her full name because it's long. It's long. A.k.a. Amantine Lucille Aurore Dupont de François. <laughs> we won't be saying that again. So nope. Get it in your head. <laughs> Get it yeah. in there and don't let it out because that's the only time you're hearing it on this episode. Um, but yeah, George Sand, her pen name, a French author, uh, and this was published in 1832, and um, that's the one that we read for today. I had no idea it was my pick. Um, so should I? I guess I should explain, as is tradition, why I picked it and a little bit about what it's about. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, why why I picked it is actually kind of a funny story that I kind of, that I sort of have told Matt already. So if you know the show or if you know me, you know I'm a I'm a sucker for a good uh, for some good Americana. I love a little <laughs> I love a little uh, desolate uh, Midwestern towns, you know, like uh, Dennis Johnson, uh, Don Carpenter type. Uh, yes, you know, uh, uh, American you know, folktale type uh, stories, very sparse and, and hard. And uh, I love America and uh, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very patriotic. Um, uh, but I do. I love America. I think America is fascinating historically, culturally. Uh, it's why, again, why I fucking hated that Henry Miller book that we read yep. uh, back in the day, the uh, air conditioned nightmare, which was bad and sucked because um, he tried to do that, but didn't do a good job. And um, he so was too I, mad. so I was. He was very mad. He was he was big mad. You might even say. Yeah. Um. So I was. I don't know. I don't even remember where it was that I first came across this book title, Indiana, by George Sand. It was like on some Goodreads list, I think, or some shit. And I was like, ooh. Indiana by George Sand. <laughs> that sounds fucking like that sounds like right up my fucking alley, dude. That sounds like a book about America and a Midwestern bleakness. Right. And I fucking love it. That sounds like a book that I would love to read. <laughs> so Just pounded like, out on a typewriter in a cabin by like an old guy <laughs> with like a white beard. You're like, for yeah. sure. He's drinking whiskey. Yes, dude, exactly. That's that was exactly what I thought. And so then I was like, I it, and then obviously I looked into it a little more. I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was gonna be at all. But I needed a book to pick, and so I was like, "Fuck it, let's just read this one anyway." Um, so that's why we are, I, yeah. that's why I picked the book. Um, it's not not really a great origin story, but it's the truth. 
And if there's one thing I am, it's fucking raw and unfiltered. That's right. <laughs> and also being vulnerable about your uh, mistakes and your your lack of uh, being a fucking idiot. Yeah, just being a fucking hog. And be like, oh, the book the title is the book, and it's definitely just the surface. The only thing that it could possibly be about is this American state. Just reading Gravity's Rainbow and being like, I haven't read about a fucking rainbow <laughs> this whole time. It sucks. I've been looking for a new science textbook, dude. <laughs> but um, yeah, so anyway, the book is a a bit of a change of pace for us, I would say, which is which I think is fun and always good because it, it's basically a, a classical, um, like romantic era, although we'll talk about the genre. The, the yeah, way the book yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of fucks around with genre a little bit later. A classic uh, romance novel from the 1800s, sort of. Is that is that like Victorian era? Is that what this like this would be called? I, I don't know if that is a... Or is that early? I don't fucking know, dude. I think that's earlier. Yeah, I think that's earlier. Okay. So, you know, romantic era broadly, but again, genre lines get blurred here. Um, We're having those like death knells of monarchies thing going on right now. In this one. In this one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, basically, the book is about the titular character, Indiana, uh, who is a young woman um, from the, uh, the the then French colonial uh, island of Reunion, um, which is now what? I, I looked it up, but I've forgotten. I've forgotten already. Um, and she is... Married uh, in a loveless marriage, essentially, to a French um, colonel. Um, and, uh, oh, wait, or is it, it's Reunion now, right? It might be. Is it Creole? Well, Creole was, like, the, the term that they used for people from, from that. From there? Yeah. Um, it's, like, oh, I guess it's still called that. Like maybe, oh, it was, oh, okay, it was, Bour- it was Bourbon Island. Now it's Reunion. Um. Uh, but anyway, so she's she's sort of from there, and she's married to this French colonel. There must be some connection between Bourbon Street and Creole in Louisiana, then, right? For sure, and, and the name Bourbon in general. It's like a it's like a famous French like like aristocratic family, right? Yeah, the Bourbons were yeah they yeah were aristocrats. Were they ever royalty? Do we know? Or I think they were just like aristocrats. I'm not sure. I don't really. I don't. I I don't. King Bourbon. Oh no, it was a dynasty. They were a dynasty. Okay. Because I don't, I'm my as you can t- as you can tell, my French, uh, uh, like monarch, like monarchical history is bad. Um, not that any. Yeah, of ditto, ditto on that one. Yeah, I yeah, think I know when the French and Indian War was. Maybe <laughs> that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, she's in in this loveless marriage, and it basically the sort of broad strokes. Obviously, we'll get into more detail, but the broad strokes are. Um, she's in this loveless marriage with Colonel Delmar, uh, and she is kind of like, basically just like, you know, waiting to die at like, at like 19, at like 19, right? Yeah. She's like, my life is fucking over. This sucks and is pointless and it's terrible and, and fuck it. Uh, but then she's also torn with sort of wanting to perform her social duties as a wife and, and, you know, so she has all these kind of conflicted mixed feelings about it. And then... Of course, these this uh, uh, dashing suitor enters her life um, via his 
affair that he was carrying on with uh, her housemaid named Noun. Um, And uh, we'll talk about her more. And um, then there's another uh, character in the mix, her cousin, Ralph Brown, who's kind of this... uh, uh, and the um the the suitor's name is Raymond, right? Um, and uh, then there's Ralph Brown, who's her cousin, who's also kind of like around. Um, he's kind of hang dog. He's just kind of like chilling. Yeah. Uh, he's you know friends with the colonel, and um, and so yeah, so basically it's the story about a bunch of fucking romantic hijinks. Her uh, relationship with um, Raymond and later Ralph. And uh, yeah, we can talk about details later. Well, can I give my 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 Zoomer re, uh, yes, redefinition of these roles? Mm-hmm. So like Indiana, she's like she's like a completely like black pilled femme cell. Yes. She's married to a boomer. Who straight is, up. Straight up. You know, crusty and like pro military. She has her Valsell goth depressed cousin as well, Ralph Brown, who's sort mm-hmm. of like hanging on the margins, uh, sort of friend zoning himself and agonizing over that. And meanwhile, there's like a rich yuppie fuckboy that comes and tries to get pussy for like a year and he never true. does. True. <laughs> true. She really is a fucking femme cell, dude. One of the things that's interesting about this book is she like and I, this maybe it's kind of weird to start with this but i was expecting a little bit of sex or at least a hint of sex in a book like this just now just now and and yeah just now there's only uh yeah ramon has has relations with noun but indiana never with anybody so she is a femme cell dude for sure well it's you know it's 19th century i'm sure retention of virtue was uh potentially like a censorable offense to to like sort of betray or something i don't know if it was like particularly because i feel like pretty gross stuff got published then yeah so maybe not especially in france but and even i mean i'm a little bit like i feel like even even with like that kind of thing i I feel like there would be like you know artful descriptions of like i don't know (laughs) like i can't come up with one off the top of my head but (laughs) you know just like the 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 artful description and then the cutaway to the next morning or whatever I think it's also just uh, supposed to be partially due to Indiana as a character. Yes. You know, she she in particular shuts that down. Like, there's plenty of discussion about Raymond's other conquests and his True. his fuckboy status amongst aristocratic women and how he's like, a mega fuckboy dude. How he's attracted yeah. to her because she's not easy. Right. Classic. Like, he yeah. It's like it's pretty relatably. It pretty translates pretty well now. It's just like <laughs> these other women are like too worldly and coquettish and like easy to easy to sleep with and this this one is actually earnest and like sensitive and yeah, yeah. that's his, well, part of his attraction to her yeah and and I, I guess i guess i should maybe give a few more details of the plot before we really so so in over the course of his relationship with noun ramon falls in love with indiana basically he falls he like uh, the the colonel is knows that someone's sneaking onto his property, and it's Raymond to link up with Noun, and then he basically shoots Raymond with like a, you know, not like a it's not like a full bullet or something. It's like a rubber puts, bullet equivalent you know, puts, or some shit. Puts, this is how a uh, this is how Beatrix Kiddo in Kill Bill Two gets taken out. He get she he gets shot with a uh, salt. 
they oh, load rape. the gun with salt, which is a really painful thing because the salt gets in the wounds and it's like a shotgun blast. Right. And then he oh. falls off a wall and has to be brought into the house. And Indiana feels bad and like kind of helps nurse him back to health that night. And he basically just falls in love with her. And then um, he kind of secretly or tries to. Well, or does he? Right. Or is he or is it just the thrill of the chase because he's a fuck boy? Yeah, um, exactly. Spoiler alert, it's, it's that. Uh, and so then he does the whole dramatic thing where he's sending, he's like trying to see her surreptitiously and he sees her at, at a ball and all this shit. Then basically Noun, who is sort of like, you know, struggling with uh, class dynamics there because she's the, the lowly housemaid and Raymond is like this socialite wealthy guy and somewhere in the back of her mind she probably realizes it's never going to work, but she tries. Really, and there's a very, very sad scene where Ramon is coming to the house and Noun spends like the whole fucking day like trying to like get the the like get the whole house looking awesome and having like sexy candles and like flowers <laughs> and shit. And the whole time you know Ramon is just coming so he can like, you know, sniff Indiana's panties while she's gone. <laughs> and and then basically Ramon gets caught in Indiana's room when she comes home early. And then Indiana sort of lets slip that he's in love with her. Noun Goes off uh, and uh, Robloxes herself. Uh, <laughs> she unlikes. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, on the basis of this news, which obviously causes a huge rift between Indiana and Raymond. It's Tomato Town in the Creek, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> Wait, what is Is that a Roblox what? thing? That's a Fortnite thing. Oh, okay. Right. Tomato Town. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, just ruining, dude. just ruining this book horribly. It's like a seminal feminist text. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and then was Noun pregnant? Was yes, that, Noun was yeah, also pregnant was also with pregnant. Ramon's child. That's right. Um, so then there's this rift. Ramon eventually kind of like worms his way back in with Indiana. Uh, you know, and then ultimately gets like befriends um, the colonel, and so they're chilling, and he comes over the house and shit. And then um, they wind up moving. The colonel in Indiana wind up moving back to Reunion Island, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, she's still kind of pining after Ramon. I think he maybe writes her some letters and shit or something. He does. He does. He throws a hail mary that he later doesn't want to work because everything takes so long. Yes. To correspond. So That's right. He's, so he's he pretty wrote, over it. So he writes her some letters. By the time she gets them, he's like, you know what? Never mind. Um, but by that time, she's already on her way back to France, where the the French Revolution is taking place. By the time she gets there, right? Well, the, um, I think or the. Um, um, there's some there's just some political conflicts. It's 1832, so in 19 or 1848 there's another revolution, but there's just I think a general discontent amongst is it Charles the 10th? There's some rest it's like the restoration period where like the monarch had like this fitful return. Right. You know, after booting Napoleon out twice. It, it's yeah, it's the it's the it's I guess it's technically called the July Revolution, the second French Revolution, right? Right, yeah. Um yeah, Charles the 10th, you're right. Who was a Bourbon, by the way. Ah. Um, and uh, so surprise, surprise, Raymond is fucking married, like the fuck boy that he is. Yeah. Um, when he gets back, uh, and this causes problems, Indiana eventually says, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna marry. I'm just gonna hook up with my cousin, George or uh, Ralph. Ralph. My bad." And well, um, not even hook up. They are like, "We'll kill ourselves." Yeah. Let's just <laughs> yeah. like let's just like kill ourselves together. <laughs> So they get together and they uh, they move together back to uh, the island, 
And um, yeah, that's pretty much how the book ends. Yeah, that's a quick and dirty version for quick sure. Quick and dirty. There's a lot more going on there, but you know, we'll 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 talk about all the details. Um, it was fun to try to guess what were the uh, the areas of the book that were considered like outlandishly feminist for the time, mm-hmm. right? Well, especially for someone like me who knows nothing about French literature at all because I'm a bro. Obviously, you're basically the Ramon of this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, aristocratic. I have uh, had my Ramon moments, <laughs> minus the aristocratic aspect. <laughs> I think it's just the straight. I think it's just the straight critique of the institution of marriage mm-hmm. and the kind of like untenable social position that women, in particular, found themselves in with that. Which, in her yeah, actual yeah. real life, George Sand was like. Highly and publicly critical of, um, like the institution of marriage. Yeah, she was very political in general. Mm-hmm. She was like a socialist and yep. all that kind of stuff. She wore men's clothes, which was wild and crazy back in the and, day. And she herself was the wife and mistress of many people. Mm-hmm. And she was uh, she was married and then separated, which was not common back then. Yeah. Whoa. I know. And Scandalous. she was uh, she was friends with, um, and this is what probably informed her uh, literary temp because Gabe was like, you know, it's a romance of sorts and mm-hmm. it's, it feels ultimately more in the sort of romantic tradition. But I, I know that like, right in the like little the bunch of forewords and chronology at the beginning of the Oxford edition, it's like she was friends with um, Flaubert and uh, Honoré de Balzac. Yep. Um, which was like yes. the, you know, the fathers of the realist movement as opposed as, as like sort of, conceptually opposed to romantics like diametrically yeah so she i feel like the this novel at least and i didn't i didn't know this before i started like prepping for this episode she wrote a shit ton of fucking books dude like 71 like like, yeah like 70 or 80 or something like it's nuts i i had no idea she was so uh, uh prolific um but yeah, I think in this book specifically, there's a big kind of melding of genres where you have that like classical romantic, you know, ro- like romanticism. And uh, but then the, some of these elements of like realism, like you said, trying to like portray the the cold reality of, of human, human, human cruel to humans, human cruelty to other humans and shit. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, my my reading experience was like very kind of basic sappy love story that made me chuckle by how freaking romantically sappy it was for sure. Mm-hmm. But then there was interjections of, you know, pretty, uh, I think harsh for the time depictions of the male psyche, mm. you know, going yeah. in depth of, um, the Colonel Delmar's just like mindset and views of women and views of how he sees life. I think it was like chapter nine that I highlighted like most of it because it was just like an in-depth viewing of how um, Indiana saw him, but also just like a clear depiction of how he viewed the world and how he viewed women. Mm -hmm. Do you want to read that? Um, Do you have it? I, uh, I have it on my phone. They're like ships passing in the night. That's what I remember is like that, that, that was where my favorite parts too. Like part of that whole realism movement, was that early psychologizing of everybody. So you get right. some really good like characterization of like almost like their faded roles because of their 
social context or something like that. Like you, they can't help themselves as kind of the the subtext of all of this stuff. Like they're all kind of automatons wound up and put on a path basically because of how things are structured. Well, and I think the interesting thing, the interesting aspect of that, which is like, like you mentioned the sort of like um, impulse to like psychologize in, in, in realism. Right. Yeah. But, but here the twist on that is that it's like a social, it's a social thing, not, not necessarily a psychological thing, or it's like an intermixture of both. Right. That they're they're The puppet master isn't like, the vagaries of human psychology as in right. some other realist texts, but it's like the rigidity of social roles in France at the time. And there's a lot of discussion of that in here and kind of like a, a, a portrayal of the, like you said, like the hopelessness that comes with particularly being a woman at that point and your kind of prescribed social roles. Cause they didn't have Freud. Did they have Freud yet? Um, n- no, right? no. So they didn't have, they couldn't pin it on something like the unconscious. It wasn't like a, I don't think a concept. They they were kind of probably more correctly targeting criticism at <laughs> social organization and politics. Right. Um, well, she was yeah. very like active in like socially and very, like critical of society at the time. Mm-hmm. And she, yeah, I think it was in one of the introductory like prefaces that I had that went in in depth about her her like writing process and her desire to just like you know, think of every th- single line that she was going to say in the book and how it related back to a social structure. Like, she was really critical of how things were in her society socially. And the book the book has a number of... I mean, like, she was... Yeah, she was, like Matt said, she was very, like, in the fucking mix. At the, I mean, Victor Hugo gave her fucking eulogy at her funeral. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, she was in the mix and... and Ter- Tergenev visited her. Yeah. And I think she had a relationship with Chopin, right? Or Liszt, Franz um, Liszt. So yeah, like she was, she was in the fucking mix. You know what yeah, I mean? Salon culture heavy. Yeah, exactly, dude. We got to bring that shit back. Truly, it seems it's like theater kids on steroids. It seems very incestuous and kind of, but kind of intellectually fruitful. <laughs> yeah, dude. It, 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 yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's very definitely incestuous, and we'll come back to that. Yeah, that's theme. a theme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apologia? Yeah, question yeah. mark for that yeah. in this book? Yeah, shout out Ralph. Just more um, socially accepted at the time? I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, because... Aristocratic families in particular, right? Like, Yeah, you want to... Yeah, it's it keep it in the bloodline. completely fine to marry yeah, a cousin Game of Thrones-esque. or... Second cousin. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. House of the yeah. Dragon. Yeah. Um... House of the uh, House of the Dragon, these nuts over your face. <laughs> That's good, dude. That's nice. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I have ligma. <laughs> um. So, but yeah, I mean, the book is very also at points like you said, like explicitly political, right? There's discussions of Ralph's debates with the Colonel about politics and Ramon's politics, and and Ramon, of course, is kind of like this. He's a he's a monarchist, right? He defends yeah. the monarchy based on his kind of like family position and, and his social position and so on and so forth. And all of these debates that the that the that the uh, three main male characters have, uh, of course, Indiana generally not participating. Um, well, they each they each sort of represent the three like big schisms politically of that time. Yeah. So like they're just sort of like almost political cartoon stand-ins for like those respective positions that were all actively uh like kind of 
combating each other ideologically in France because you had like, right, you had the monarchists, you had, uh, you know, Del Mar is a uh, Napoleonic sort of imperialist. Right. Yep. And then uh, you had a more of like a, uh, Ralph is like a re- pro-republic pseudo-socialist. Kind of like milk like toast. He's, a, he's a, Ralph is just like kind of a shit lib. I think he's. I think he's more in line, probably, with what George Sand was, was like at least maybe at the time. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's certainly not. Also certainly a not a radical. No, but Sand no. participated in the um, Republican part of the July Revolution. Right. But what's funny to me though is like, she set. Uh, she sets up like the two depictions of, of men. I think in like. Like her views on men in the first couple chapters, she says like a good man is one that like is is never actually around in life. Like you can't actually find <laughs> yeah. this type of man. Yeah. I forget what she actually said, but it's like a man that like does like tells the truth and does good things. And then she talks about the other kind of man that is like generally in charge of society that is totally equitable to Ramon, which is just someone like charismatic who can write. And these are the people that end up like controlling, who can speak and write. Right. Yeah, there is. But a, it, there is. Oh, keep going. Sorry. I was just gonna say that, like she she equates all the men in the in the book to political parties. I think for sure, like they have a direct correlation between a political social party. But I I think her views on all of the men by the end, not even by the end, are just like these are all shit assholes. <laughs> Yeah, at and, one point uh, she's like, fuck, you know, kill all men, kind of. Yeah, but it just made me think that, like, maybe that's how she viewed every every party as well. Like, she didn't actually back any anything that was happening at, at the time. Mm. Well, I think Ralph gets, you know, the sort of sainted position, though, at in the conclusion, because he's kind of the man who acts and, like, stays true to his role and is kind of righteous and like self self-controlled there is like this uh you know in a novel there is this kind of, through raymond specifically there's this heavy critique of you said of like you said paul like writing and language and kind of the pers- persuasiveness of of language to the untrained ear being mm-hmm. the cause of basically all the ills that happen which is Raymond. yeah exactly because he's yeah because constantly She's talking about how, you know, like it's, you know, becomes frustrating, I think, intentionally over the course of the book where you're like, dude, you're falling for Ramon again with his yeah. shitty words, dude. No. Stop. No, yeah. he's a fuck boy. He's just like sliding into your DMs with like a nice flowery. <laughs> That's li- exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> like of. a it's flowery like letter. People are still dude, around. Telling him, telling you that he'd dedicate his life to you and he'll fucking die before harm comes to your toenail. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's very like uh, soap opera-y and like highfalutin language. But I, it was really cool though. Is, to, oh, never mind. I was just gonna say, Sandif seems to be making fun of Indiana a bit as oh, well. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, because yeah. Indiana, at the end of the day, is like, I think it's interesting to talk about whether the book is feminist or not, because it's clearly a critique of, you know, women's roles in society and and the oppression that they suffer in these like rigid social structures. But I don't I don't think Indiana herself is a particularly feminist character. Like she's in a lot of ways like the subject of kind of like 
again, like mockery uh, on Sam's part, it seems to me. It's it's ambiguous, but that I think that was something I was thinking about. Yeah, it's I mean, like I was thinking contempt. about... Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, going into this and knowing that it was a feminist book, I was like, I have to be able to put... You have to think about what does feminism mean in, in this time period, obviously. It's like, you know progress happens really slowly so like a moment like her standing up to delmar towards the end where Mm -hmm. she's like i'm gonna do what i want to do like that that's like claimed to be like the big feminist moment for her um but i also think it's feminist but also i'm not sure about this but like are the the negative depictions of men in the in those like you know longer segments going into delmar's psychology and ramon's are, are is is that was that outlandish at the time mm. to just like criticize someone's like a, a man's psyche in that way at the time yeah i, I don't it was know new. i'm pretty sure it was like kind of a new thing yeah that's like what i assumed as well you didn't just bald-faced go like this is this person's upbringing and background and this is why they're like prone to these thoughts and this is how sort of that was the whole realism thing, right? Is like not not romanticizing and not like mythologizing some figure, but like trying to cut to like these are the reasons and impetuses uh, for a person's behavior at any given moment, and I'm looking at this impartially, you know, like I'm not making a judgment call about what I mean. Ultimately, like it leads to shitty things, but like part of realism was taking, I think, pains to like try it and as best you could be like this sort of journalistic almost objective eyeball with mm. a godlike omnipotence just being like yeah this is why they do all this shit which is definitely the way the book is written in terms of like the authorial voice right like she's talking the author whoever it is is talking directly to you the reader and and kind of in and like breaks that that wall a number of times, right? Like, well, you know, here I could tell you about this, but I'm going to talk about, you know what I mean? Like, it's very mm-hmm. like directed at the reader. Um, and Which again, get, I'm not sure if that's a if is if is that a, a common way people wrote in that genre at the time. But it made me think of like the this net the sappy Netflix series that I watched that I thought was like breaking new ground. Because it was it was like it was a true crimey type romantic thing show like binge worthy or whatever. And uh, the main character would like continually break the third wall or fourth wall. And I was like, whoa, what a new cool thing to be in the genre. And Frank I'm Underwood. Like, oh, they did it. <laughs> What's the what show is it? Uh, I do, I'm I my drop the wreck. Dude. I'm really bad at uh, Jeopardy as well. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Um. But yeah, I think that I think that's what was was new was like an unsent like trying to like just excise sentimentality uh, out of the equation when sort of coldly regarding human beings and their motivations. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you mentioned this kind of like like sort of like realist, like kind of almost like journalistic angle you have. I mean, I think it's interesting the way the book ends the sort of like postscript or, or conclusion. Right. Which is this. It presented in the form of this letter to, you know, Jay Nero, 
who you know we don't <laughs> yeah <I bet laughs> well, that's how it is yeah it's got to be somewhat something like that right um jean reno jean no it's nero <laughs> no he's the um, who apparently i don't know what it's called okay what's it called the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window oh wow that's oh i see what they a little did bit there. of a mouthful but yeah, yeah. But that's the point because it's like you know it's a a parody. It's like whoa, okay, oh, like, got yeah. it. That's the whole vibe of that. Got it. Um, but this was this obviously wasn't a parody, but it felt like it sometimes. Mm. So yeah, I mean the the the, the ending letter to Jay Nero, like who apparently was a real life friend of George Sand, like an actual person. It's interesting that the book ends that way because this is it's almost like this like anthropological. Like thing, like the author who I, I presume we're supposed to think the author is the same person who's writing this letter, right? That was my reading of it. And yeah, you get a sort of Nick Carraway twist where you realize the person presenting this whole story <laughs> is just some guy who happened on them later. Yes, right. And he basically discovers this like, you know, <laughs> like kind of recluse couple in this little cabin on the on Reunion Island and it's uh Ralph and Indiana who are just kind of like you know uh living their living their best uh you know re- isolated recluse lives um, yeah they're off the grid cottage core yeah literally off the grid cottage core uh prepping sustainability uh <laughs> you know harvesting their own eggs yeah exactly right um cabin life uh farm life if they if if it was today they would like they would have their own instagram account called like reunion island farm like yeah <laughs> heavily filtered like mm-hmm. really sat oversaturated pictures of nature that they're in just like our life is perfect <laughs> yeah exactly yeah well i mean i think one of the things was like the whole i think Rous- rousseau was a big influence as well um, and like that kind of return to a state of nature was another thing that seems mm. to be pretty heavily hinted at here to just like retire from this overly complicated social structure of living in the world and, and get back to the basics and return to monk and all that. <laughs> Dude, you almost made me spit out my fucking water. Return to monk just cracks me up every fucking time. Return to monk, etc. you know, Re- return to Winton. Yeah. <laughs> God damn Winston. <laughs> Overwatch dude Winston Return to Monk Yeah I thought yeah. that was the, Okay <laughs> um, Shout out to all the Winton enjoyers and Listening <laughs> Big ups to our w- Winton connoisseurs <laughs> um, Yeah It is an interesting Sort of Sort of way to end uh, I mean Okay There's a lot of things we could touch on here. I mean, the other element we've talked a lot about the feminism and the kind of like French politics. Oh, just on that point, on the on the point about French politics, I need to I need to do it. Make a slight criticism here of the edition that I have. So, if you've listened to this podcast before, we always go out of our way to shout out big big ups to when there's like really excellent footnotes and notes that contextualize. A text, right? And Oxford Oxford editions typically are the goat. Typically, that. typically goaded, like typically super in depth, super like enhances your enjoyment of the novel in a lot of ways. I don't feel that way about this edition, uh, and I don't know who did the footnotes. I'm assuming it was the translator Sylvia Raphael, because um, no one else is credited as compiling the notes. 
Um, but I, they felt a little underwhelming to me uh, in terms of the standard that is usually set for these these editions. And I felt like particularly a little bit like annoyed by it because, you know, there's only like there's like, you know, only like six pages of notes, which is low for these sorts of editions, I feel like. Yeah, I think um, we were spoiled by the Arthur Arthur Machen. Yeah, the Machen is is goaded. Yeah. Um, well, the Bunyan too. The Bunyan yeah, Oxford sure. edition was had a shit ton. Um, but anyway, I was a little bit. I wanted more because you know, like as I said, my French political history is not particularly robust. Um, you know, there's a nice bibliography at the beginning with some like additional resources and stuff. Uh, but like, I just felt like there was a lot of shit in here that I was probably missing that probably went over my head in terms of like references to the time and the politics and like what was going on and like little, little asides or characters or, you know, whatever. And I just felt like I needed a little more to get the full effect. And yeah, you know, does that make sense? I don't know if you felt that way. Well, yeah, because they they would have the uh, you know the aforementioned political discussions, and that's when a lot of these w started to crop up. All of these uh, footnotes or uh, endnotes, and um, yeah, I feel like there could have been more of them because I definitely think Sand in particular was deeply in conversation with a very specific <laughs> historical context mm -hmm. uh, antagonistically, and it would help to know all of the kind of background details of what it was she was probably railing against in depth and then the, what we do get is also i think just like a little skimpy um in terms of fleshing out the things that are mentioned about the political context and like all of these uh beliefs that the different male characters have yeah and who knows maybe the maybe the editor or translator didn't want to like editorialize too much or whatever or over interpret but i just felt like there was a, some more context that could have been added to help enrich kind of the the understanding of some of those but conversations you, you, you wouldn't even need to like subjectively uh intervene in some way to just say like you know you, you can mention i don't know napoleon and his two times trying to like you know become emperor uh or being emperor and then trying again and losing at waterloo mm -hmm. by just relaying historical information yeah, not being like, and it was bad, and I think that this is actually messed up. And right. I think actually George Sand was probably doing. You know, you don't need to do that, and still, yeah. still give us the content we'd crave. Yeah, so that was slightly, uh, slightly disappointing. Um, but but the, uh, anyway, the reason that I bring it up, or the reason that I got off on that, is because we, you know we've talked about the a little bit about the kind of like feminist angle, um, a little bit about some of the some of the French political history. The other element, of course, that's at play in this book, particularly in the beginning, is the class element, right, with Noun, um, mm -hmm. and her sort of like relationship with uh, Raymond. Uh, you know, just, little spoiler alert for the Instagram meme. It's going to be about everyone loves Raymond. <laughs> Yeah, everybody loves yeah. Ramon. Colin, until they really don't. Until they, until they don't, because he sucks. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I thought that that was interesting, that it was kind of like the centerpiece of the first third or so of the book, and then it kind of like fade, obviously fades away a little bit with Noun's suicide. Um, and that's what I, you're saying about the history stuff, too, is like it would have been really cool because there is that, obvious class dynamic it's 1832 in europe it's like most places had that and it's 
a tumultuous time politically in France because those relationships are being renegotiated and questioned. Mm-hmm. And so that that sets the uh, that does very importantly set the stage for why there's also this kind of tension amongst these different people, you know. And and the relationship between like you know Noun and Indiana had this relationship of both being kind of like they're they're connected because they're both kind of like from reunion island originally even though indiana is like you know french and has french ha, ha, french parents but at the same time she's also um she's not a full orphan her mother's still alive but her father died right yeah. um and so you know she's not a social outcast and she has a very influential uh socialite grandmother who kind of like helps bring her into society once she's back in france and i think it sets up the original marriage to delmar yeah she gets um, sort of sold off yeah, like 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 you do at the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that that is sort of the basis of her connection with Noun and why they're so close and why this kind of like Ramon bullshit is additionally hurtful, right? Is because they share this connection of of being not originally from France, um, although. Right. There's that, of course, the class dynamic of Noun is still Indiana's servant at the end of the day. Right. Um, and, and just kind of like I said, the desperation of, of Noun and her relationship with Ramon was very sad <laughs> and affecting a little bit to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, and it sets the stage for how psycho Ramon is. He's like, he's like, oh, shit, like this girl killed herself over me. But then as soon as he has a new object of pursuit, he's able to like absolutely just sandblast that out of his brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it still haunts him occasionally. Like... He's not fully like just like unfeeling. I don't think he was meant to be characterized as like just Patrick Bateman. I was like, going to say a French psycho. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I actually think he is characterized that way because there's multiple segments where the, the narrator will, will interject something like... Um, talking about his his psychology and him play acting oh right? true yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of like right before a, a big segment about ramon going into depth about how he loves one person or another she'll begin a chapter saying that like is he are these actual like true feelings or is it someone who's like manipulative and you know sees love in a certain way and thinks that this is how they should talk about it and um Raymond doesn't even a, know if he's like one or the other. I have a, a chunk. Instances. He's very empty. He's like, there's nothing. He's a, he's a, he's a fuckboy. Dude. There's nothing in there. So I have just, a good little chunk about right, Raymond. Yeah, hit it, hit it. So uh, Raymond, uh, usually, and women are well aware of this, a man who talks well of love is not very much in love. Raymond was an exception. He expressed his passion with skill and he felt it keenly. Only it was not passion which made him eloquent. It was eloquence which made him passionate. He felt attracted to a woman, became eloquent in order to seduce her, and fell in love with her in the course of the seduction. It was the kind of feeling roused in lawyers and preachers who weep bitterly as soon as they sweat profusely. I love so that. Just, I love that analogy at the end. There are these great biting, like this is where realism comes in in handy, in terms of like the characterization. I felt was like pretty pretty great and strong for each person. Yeah. Um, and there's and they're and they're pretty. They're usually pretty. Uh, Pretty ruthless, too. There's some fucking zingers in here, dude. There's definitely some zingers in here. So, yeah, Raymond is like, a, yeah, he's a terminal narcissist fuckboy. And I just love that, like, that it's it's the, 
it's almost like the the eloquence and the the fancy words themselves that get Ramon turned on. Like it's not yeah. even the person; it's just like saying the things. You know what I mean? And you see it happen. Like as soon as mm-hmm. it becomes mundane, as soon as he's got some difficulty or he needs to deal with some aspect of reality of what he's doing, he gets so bored and grossed out. <laughs> you yeah. know, as as soon as it's not this like poem that he's telling himself to <laughs> right. keep himself hard it's like it's boring and he's tired and he wants to go yeah. home to his mom who he loves because his mom is like completely coddling oh yeah i really liked how um like after noun dies i think his first thought is that it's going to affect his relationship with indiana <laughs> but yeah. when he ends up talking to indiana he there's a moment where he like shows remorse and Indiana like didn't like him because she was like, Oh my God, you drove her to do this, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as he like play acts this, this moment of feeling sad, which was such a, a psychopathic act on his True. part. She's like, Oh, I'm, I love you. Oh my God. You're like my angel. And we're like no. going to get back together and love each other forever. Paul, it's even worse than that. He's, he, he, he just doesn't like to be reminded of his mistakes. Mm-hmm. So Indiana yeah. brings up Noun, and he thinks he's caught. He does not admit to it. He thinks he's caught and then shows emotion. And she's like, oh, he does have a gooey core. Look how affected he is by yes. Noun, his, oh, yeah, yeah. my friend who he grieves for me because he's such a sensitive person. And then he, then what he does that's psychotic is he realizes that she still thinks it's just her that drove Noun to kill herself. And then he capitalizes on that. Right. And is as like, yes, that is what happened. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Because it, 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 <laughs> it oh, fuck. That is way yeah. worse, dude. That it's way, is worse. way worse. Because in Indiana never actually finds out about the affair with Noun, right? She does. Oh, but okay. It's like, Towards the end though, right? Yeah, finally Ralph is like, look. Oh yeah, Ralph tells her. That's right. I forgot. Because he's stupidly like he's in some weird hell limbo where he's like ashamed that he's in love with Indiana and just vows to protect her, but this has all these strings attached where he's, like, setting weird rules for himself about when he can and can't intervene in her life. <laughs> and it's, always, little, it's almost always sounds very saucy-wussy. I mean, yeah, it yeah. gets more so, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, Ralph is, um, Ralph is, like, the, you know, he's the classic, like, I was here all along, you know, you know guy, yeah, like, and you never ducky. saw me. Like... <laughs> But then it's also like, you know, it's I don't know. I mean, we're we're at 50 minutes here. Should we uh, should we talk about incest now or save that for the uh, the Patreon uh, segment to, where we can get into it a little more? I don't think it's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> love is love, dude. What the hell? <laughs> oh, no. What, are you going to yuck someone's yum game? Really cool. <laughs> oh, man. Don't say that about incest. <laughs> Well, I guess we don't have to get into it, the complications of that or like. And there's like pedophilia because he's a lot older and he was he like talks about it in his big speech at the waterfall when they're considering killing themselves at the end. Right. When they're like, he's like, 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 I have nothing to lose. I've been waiting for you since you were fucking 12, like earlier than that. Yeah. Earlier. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like the original imprinting this book. Mm hmm. Yeah, is it, is it years later? Maybe is Ralph it grooming. Maybe, I, don't I was know. gonna say maybe Ralph is just a fucking galaxy brain groomer. <laughs> <laughs> just like <laughs> he's well, did his master plan since she was like seven, dude. He's like, "You're my masterpiece. Let's kill ourselves." Oh god, it's so yeah. So 
sus. So all we'll say about that is that Ralph is painted as, you know, the sort of unicorn man that Indiana's been looking for, but he also might be an incestuous pedophile. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, that no, but that's literally what it is. That's, like that that's is, actually yeah. how it is in the book. That's how, how that's he's characterized, text. and that's that's how their relationship plays out. Um, right, Delmar. Also, just to put a pin in him or tie him up. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the he's a cuck, and he doesn't know it, and um, <laughs> and he he, uh, he just stupidly doesn't realize, and then eventually he does, and he basically like has a stroke, <laughs> and he's and then he's dead. <laughs> true yeah <laughs> yeah just yeah. yeah that's what happens to delmar yeah delmar is a interesting character because like he he's you know he's like he knows indiana is not in love with him but he doesn't really care that much you know what i mean as long as it's kind of like you know he can keep up social appearances and like don't have like you know weird guys coming around and shit because he hates ramon at first um, until yeah. he kind of, they kind of like develop a, a something of a friendship over time. It's like an well, antagonistic he becomes like, rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, I think he loses respect for him and thinks he's not a threat at a certain point too. Right. right? Ralph plays up his sort of like, um, lack of education and refinement. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause then, cause then once the, the sort of chips are on the table between Ralph and Ramon, there's like there's a lot of like uh you know 4D chess that Ralph and Ramon try to play like you know like Ralph you know uh, at one point he like buys Ramon's horse and then gives it to Indiana as like oh like a gift and she's like oh my god I love this horse this is awesome it's what I wanted like the whole thank time. you for giving me this horse and like Ralph's just like glaring at Ramon like God like haha bitch I got you and, and Ramon's like goes to Indiana afterwards he's like I don't know it's just like. It's like my horse, and then like he bought it for you, and it just feels like you like I could do that for you. <laughs> it's it's kind of like I gave it to you. Yeah, he's just I feel like he's really like, and then you like him afterwards, and it's like, but you're supposed to like me. <laughs> it's really sniveling. It's kind of it's a little fathers and sons like to speak yeah. of Turgenev again, who again she knew uh, that whole the yeah. political dimension where you know. I definitely did think of uh, fathers and sons at a, at a couple points over the course of this novel. I mean, especially like particularly, I guess, with the uh, you know political conversations between the three male characters, you know, showing kind of like generational political differences and Ralph and the Colonel and and the social political differences. But the other thing is that one of the one of the themes throughout the book is like this question of of like selfishness and like egoism. Right, right? Yeah. because Indiana they throw the word egoist out mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, because yeah. Indiana at first is like, oh, you know, talking to Ramon about Ralph when Ramon is being all insecure and whiny about it, and she's like, you know, oh, Ralph, he's like, he's basically just like an older brother, cousin guy, and plus he's an egoist and he's just selfish and you don't have to worry about him and da 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 da. Right, and so you know that I think was another interesting like terminological choice, right? This the use of the term egoism. Uh, obviously, in Turgenev, it's like nihilism is what it gets called. But like Ralph is sort of characterized this way. Um, and again, it goes back to what you said earlier, Matt. He's kind of like just this like pale, pale goth, uh, yeah. you know, egoist guy. He's um, British, too. Yeah. Yeah. And super also. just like clammy, you know, you just, <laughs> yeah, like, mega clammy. Just, yeah. But I don't know. He's also fucking sneaky, dude. He is sneaky. 
Yeah, he is. He's been, like you said, he's waiting in the wings in a weird way. <laughs> in a very weird way, dude. So yeah, let's wrap. Really, this this kind of reminded me of uh, There's Something About Mary. Oh. Just a bunch of wormy guys trying to get, like, the princess girl. <laughs> dude, yeah, I could actually see that, dude. I haven't seen that movie in so long, but yeah. Just got guys trying to, like, just concoct as much as they can to try to get something mm-hmm. that they shouldn't have. Yeah, a bunch of puas. Like it's, it's kind of like the tale, the whole story of like male existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like people who shouldn't have things just concocting ways to get him. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Do we want to wrap up and then go to? Patreon? Yeah, yeah. If you guys want to hear more yeah. of the uh, of Paul's uh, endorsement of uh, uh, incestuous pedophilia, which is on record now, um, you can uh, you can. There's worse things out there. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll can, get uh, into it yeah we'll get into it you can come to the uh, patreon segment patreon.com slash spinecrackers uh after the jump uh to hear that uh what promises to be a lively discussion <laughs> uh, so all right so there's uh three things we got to take care of here before we jump gentlemen and we all know what they are uh first let's do the uh word let's do the word of the book Yes. Uh, which, if you don't know, this is a, a word from the book we just read that we uh, either didn't know or uh, would make a, a, a good Scrabble word. And, um, you know, just a little bit of education, a little bit of learning, you know, to wrap up the show. A little bit of a, a vocab uh, expansion, if you will. And to make a correction, uh, George Sand was uh, pro-Republican side in the uh February Revolution of 1848. Ah, the okay. July Revolution was ni- 1830. Okay, good. For all you history nerds out there that were having an aneurysm. Stump the buff. Yeah. <laughs> all right, who's got a word? Stump the buff. I got one. Matt, hit it. Rachitic. Ooh, that's a good one. R-A-C-H-I-T-I-C. It's an adjective, and it means affected with, suffering from, or characteristic of rickets. Uh-huh. <laughs> Makes yeah. sense. But you can use it in a similar way to saying something's like sclerotic, just kind of busted and sickly. Right, like gross. Was that was yeah, that you? I forget what that was. Was that, was that used to describe Ralph? No, actually, it was. Uh, I don't know if this is allowed in the rule book, but this was part of the uh, foreword. Oh, okay, that that's fine. Yeah. That counts. That's in, that's allowed. Paul, you got one. Yeah, my word was. I think it was probatious. Or, it was like a. Uh, Proboscis? I don't know what the word of. <laughs> I mean, it was a uh, a person who who participates in probate, <laughs> like a. I can't remember the word. I didn't write it down, but I looked. But I looked it up, and it's you know the core word is probate, which I already knew. But I thought it was a interesting like. I don't know the word for the word I'm trying to describe. I'm an idiot. That's all right. But probate probate means the official proving of a will. Right. It's like a legal thing, right? Yeah. Okay. But she used it in an interesting way. I think it was probation. Probatious doesn't like come someone... up unless I'm spelling it wrong. Mm. But yeah, and it wasn't probatious. It was like someone Propitious? who does that. Yeah. No. Describing okay. someone who's uh, in that in that legal field. Who, okay. Who officially pr- uh, proves wills? It was like that person. Okay. Ah. Uh, okay. Yeah. That would make sense for yeah. this too. Um. Okay. Mine is uh, Tilbury. It's not a place? No, it's T-I-L-B-U-R-Y, and it's a type of, like, little carriage. It's basically like a little mini carriage. That's cute. To, like, go around in, you know? Not yeah. like not like a full big carriage with a bunch of horses, but just, like, a little one with, like, yeah. maybe one horse. 
Just I like just like looked a, it up, and it is a place in England, Tilbury, England. Oh, so. whoa, it is also a place? Okay. Yeah. That's Maybe made up. there? It's like your little, what? Is it a Honda Fit? What's the tiny yeah, car? Yeah, exactly, dude. It's Honda like, Fit, it's a little Tilbury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Tilbury. I just can't think of, I guess I just, I can't help but think about Dingleberry. Yeah, <laughs> I know, and that's exactly what I was thinking about that, too. <laughs> Maybe it's, For the record, I was not thinking about that, so I'm more mature. Okay, That's, well, you're, right, uh, well Gabe, you're a you're super a, Chad. You're a Tilbury. Yeah, dude. dude. <laughs> Paul's Paul's Sigma when it comes to childish thoughts. He's beyond, he's beyond it. Tidbury. He's put them away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, okay, well, next step that we have to do is... You're a Tilbury. <laughs> Tonight's episode of the Spinecrackers podcast is sponsored by the new game from Portkey Games and WB Studios, Hogwarts Legacy. <laughs> Portkey Games. Why did you know all that information? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> You pre-order that shit? No, I didn't pre-order it, but I'm not. I'm probably. I'm. I'll probably play it eventually. <laughs> yeah, you will, and you'll 100 percent complete it quickly. I'm not. Don't. I don't want to start on that fucking discourse, dude. That's a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for that's for Twitter, dude, and Discord. Um, but anyway, yeah, we'll uh, slither into. That anyway, later. we love J.K. Rowling and we support all of her views on yeah. this show. Yeah, no. 100 percent of them. <laughs> I heard she wrote a book too. Yeah, but. <laughs> That's not how I found out about her. I found out <laughs> yeah, about her either. through her awesome political views. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, this that's a joke for anyone who doesn't know. Um, anyway, so this is the uh, Harry Potter segment, the house segment, where we take the characters from the book we just read and sort them into their respective Harry Potter houses based on their person, uh, the who they are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorting hat. Yeah, this is the sorting hat segment. And... Um, yeah. This is. I think this is going to be an interesting one, actually. <laughs> I think these characters are pretty interesting in terms of sorting, uh, for sorting really? purposes. I mean, kind of. I, I, think, like I think so. Everyone class. but Indian. Everyone's a Slytherin. Indiana's Hufflepuff. Wow, dude. That was. You think? Wow. I. Th- I think that Ralph is a, as a Hufflepuff. Okay. Well, okay, let's let's proceed. In an orderly fashion, I mean, like I civilized, is... like fucking civilized people. <laughs> let's. I think they're still there. <laughs> let's let's go ahead. Hey, and... squib. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the segment that ruins our friendship eventually. Yeah, it'll yeah. something's gonna something's gonna go haywire one of these times. I'm about to break. <laughs> 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 Paul's just gonna quit the podcast over his <laughs> twenty years later. I'm gonna be like, he was a fucking Hufflepuff over Gabe's grave as you spit on it. <laughs> oh my god! I'm just gonna show up and stand in the back of my funeral to just yell that at the end. Um, full wizard robes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and start with. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's go ahead and start with uh, Colonel Delmar, Indiana's uh, husband. Yeah, so I was joking about the Slytherin thing for everybody. I, I think Delmar is probably like an incredibly abrasive rave or uh, 
uh, why can't I remember? There's only <laughs> four, dude. You already said like three of them. <laughs> <laughs> What's the fucking shit that Harry is? Gryffindor, dude. Okay, Gryffindor, Gryff- man. I'm sorry. Gryffindor. Why? Justify the this. Of Gryffindor, huh? Well, he's like a military man. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's pretty, like... Honor, duty. Honor, duty. Uh, he's pretty, like... He's just, like... He's honest, but he's just really, like, unrefined and kind of, like, mean about it. But, True. like, I think... In that characterization Paul is referring to about him and Indiana's dynamic, like it it almost painted him. I mean, he's horrible. Like he kicks Indiana in the fucking face True. after he finds out that she was cucking him. But uh, I I don't know. That's why I say he's like evil Gryffindor. Like he, I feel like in his way he thinks he's like standing up for order and what's right and like trying to on on some layer deep down like be good and brave and like a rock for people i mean i i honestly a hundred percent agree no fucking notes dude complete complete agree wow i hard disagree i think he's a total hufflepuff abrasive hufflepuff (laughs) wow okay why solely because there's a segment about his psychological aspects where um he he's described as being a hundred percent like religious believer in rules and the law and, and the rules of society he follows them to a T and and counts them as his like almost way of being and his religion. I don't which think I that, find to be that's very Raymond. That's I, Raymond. I have that no, passage. No. Oh, we got a textual disagreement, baby. Matt, let me if read you, it. If you can find the receipts, this is about Raymond. How do you know? His because it says as for Raymond, and then it goes into okay. It. His life was consumed by an insatiable need for exciting events and emotions. He loved society with its rules and its shackles because it offered him opportunities for struggle and resistance. And if he hated disorder and violence, it was because they promised insipid, easy pleasures. That's not what I was thinking of. Ooh. Damn it. Counterpoint. That, don't, that actually just plays into my point that I find uh, Raymond and Delmar to be actually similar characters. Mm-hmm. And they're, mm-hmm. But never mind. Um, I'm listening. But no, I think there was another. There was another. Wait, um, yeah, finish passage. that thought. Yeah, I mean, that, my thought on that is that like Delmar is described as being this young, kind of exciting, very handsome man in his youth, and I think that that is uh, that was really brief in the beginning, but I think that that actually displays, a, a, like who he becomes is actually a display of what Raymond is gonna eventually become, mm. like a like a rule follower, someone who actually will covet a woman in the same way that Delmar ends up coveting a woman because they, they, they have very similar views on women. They want them to be like subservient. Yeah. You know, it's more of a a financial commodity or a societal commodity to them, a woman. Um, so I just thought, I thought they would eventually just like kind of meld into the same person. I see where you're coming from. I still, I still think, I still think uh, Griff, bad Gryffindor because it, okay. because even if he's wrong about what he thinks, I agree with what Matt said. He sees himself as a man of honor and bravery and, you know, trying to do the right thing as, as he sees it. You know, he's not like, I don't think he's as fucking, you know, conniving as Raymond is, right? Raymond is just like wormy and like da-da-da-da-da and like just trying to get his... Mm-hmm. But I think Delmar has a sense of duty and obligation and, and like, you know, self-sacrifice even 
to like if you were those are attribute those are hufflepuff things i don't know dude duty well duty and (laughs) and loyalty are very different (laughs) i feel like a little or i don't know if they're very different but they're different like because if 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 Delmar was like Slytherin-y, which I think Raymond is, he would have suspected like infidelity immediately. Yeah. For instance. But he's like still kind of a trusting guy. He's like, oh, Raymond, he's like really sweet guy. He's interested in my business. And, right. You know, I don't know. Well, but this that is it. I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that that was that happened fast. We, foresho- we foreshadowed this happening, and this is it. <laughs> Payoff, baby. <laughs> all right. Well, we can agree to disagree on this one here. Um, all right. Next up, let's do uh, let's do Ralph. Yeah, Hufflepuff. Yeah, I think he's a Hufflepuff. I think he is a Hufflepuff. Probably at the end of the day, with his lifelong devotion to Indiana, and which is also cre- he's creepy Hufflepuff. Yeah, he's, he's hu- cre- very creepy Hufflepuff. Yeah, he's wormy. Yeah, Stalker. Hufflepuff rising Slytherin, perhaps even. <laughs> um, For sure, you know, yeah, stalker, creepy, un- creepy uncle. Liter- he's literally a creepy uncle. He's a yeah. cousin, but he- oh, whatever. Yeah, creepy cousin. Yeah. All right, so we all agree on that. We're back on good terms now. I think everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, should we do noun? I don't know. Or is that a little too, maybe, you know. Here's a question. What is, what is, which Harry Potter house would be like for a hopeless romantic? Uh, like which, which, which Harry Potter house fits Hufflepuff. that? Gryffindor? You think Gryffindor, Paul? Yeah. yeah I mean. Hopeless makes me think Hufflepuff because you could just be that unrequited person. Yeah. Well, doesn't that. Isn't like a, a true romantic someone who's like really brave and willing to, you know, which now it is. She's what she says. I'll do whatever, dude. Like, let's just throw it all away and move and fuck it. Who cares? I don't I don't need your money. Yeah. I think Gryff- she's Gryffindor. All right. I'm per- I could be persuaded by that. Yeah. And, and suicide is a pretty brave act. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> just a jo- I was joking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was Sad. Um, all right. That leaves only the big two here. Let's do Suicide Ramon. is for squibs. <laughs> <laughs> Suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. Uh, what is that from? That's the opening theme song to Mash. <laughs> oh God, is that really fucking true? Yeah, Jesus, it's a good song. Okay. Um, Raymond, I feel like we can all agree he's Slytherin. Slam well, right? dunk. Yeah, it's a slam oh, dunk. Oh yeah, I think that's a that's a no question. Raymond Slytherin, that was psycho, clean. nothing but net. French psycho. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, only out for himself. Drops people at the as soon as they get boring to him. Also very like, you know, he, he, he seeks um, a higher status through social events. Yes, very true. Ends up marrying socially. Which is classic yeah. Slytherin. Yeah. Yeah. It's all yep. about appearances. Yes. I think this is a slam dunk. Lucian Malfoy. Yep. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Beautiful, uh, beautiful head of hair, that guy. Mm. No, no, there's, you can't deny it. Uh, Indiana. Hufflepuff. Herself. Puff? Yeah. Paul? I'm going to say... I'm going to say... <laughs> maybe Gryffindor. Whoa. Whoa. That's yeah. a fucking hot take, dude. I mean, I she's fucking 19. She's not a, a real human yet. 
you know, she's 19 years old. Shout out to our 19 she, year old listeners. Yeah. You're you human. You are human. You're human, but barely. <laughs> <laughs> but she, uh, she has that big moment where she stands up to Delmar. Um, True. I could see her becoming more and more like, you know, brave as, as time goes on. Well, and she pretty consistently like shuts down Ramon. Although yeah, she goes, sure. then she, but then she falls for him again instantly in very stupid ways. Right. Well, I mean, she's being manipulative by a pure by, by a uh, psychopath. Yeah. yeah, true. I'm gonna still say Hufflepuff though, because uh, I think in the if you were like to weigh both qualities, the sort of loyalty and giving oneself to a person is is the thing with which her. is what she wants right it's like, what she wants the most yeah which is why ralph yeah. ultimately you know is the dude for her right because he's got that same quality right yeah i think that that's fair i think i yeah i think i do have to go with puff at the end of the day but paul i totally get where you're coming from i'm sticking with ravenclaw because she's a you feminist gri- icon wait, and, gryffindor and, yeah gryffindor what did I say? <laughs> gryffindor Raven- yeah you did say gryffindor first uh yeah i'm sticking with gryffindor okay all right She's a feminist icon, and to put her in the Hufflepuff house is victim blaming. So, fucking <laughs> <guys>. <laughs> shit. Yeah, uh, I think there's sorting hat trauma that like the kids have to go to a counselor after. Oh, definitely. Like, I did not see myself like that at all, and it's completely shattered. My, my self conception. Yeah. I don't know. Harry, I bet Harry Potter, the Hogwarts probably has a not great mental health resources on campus would be my guess. No, they just put like a different kind of sorting hat on there. And like, how do you feel? <laughs> Depressed. <laughs> yeah. just like, <laughs> BPD. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yo, that's a, that would be such a good bit, dude. Mental the DSM sorting molested. <laughs> <laughs> They have one at the doctor's office too. It's just like colon cancer. <laughs> oh my fucking god, dude! The DSM sorting. It's funnier to me. Oh, yeah. Obsessive compulsive disorder. <laughs> Uh, it's like so insulting. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna have to pause, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Oh my uh, god. Okay. All right, that got me. Yeah. Oh, that got me good. <laughs> yeah, woo. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> DSD from your grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) Alcoholism. (laughs) You're 12 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay, so, um, (laughs) what, uh, what do you guys think of this book score wise? Um, that's the the final thing. I get to go last. I'll go first. Uh, I didn't. Even, I've. Ne- I haven't thought about this once until just now. <laughs> um, 
I can go actually. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I yeah, I found this one difficult. Um, just because of the like uh, historical significance, regardless of the reading experience. Um, but it does. It's just like you can recognize why it's placed in the regard it is and like how it, you know, moves the conversation forward, whatever the hell you want to say about it. But in the 21st century, it reads as like <laughs> Gabe. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> I had myself muted. I'm sorry. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's all good. It's all good. I've been no, there. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm going to give it a 3.3. Um, just because, yeah, there's a, it was a little frustrating. Um, what was frustrating? What do you mean frustrating? Not frustrating in a, in a, I don't know, kind of a good way, Mm. but because I think it was meant to be so like the sort of gullibility of Indiana and all that, just a lot of those Protest, Protest, not protestations, professions of love and stuff, uh. I get that that's part of the what's being critiqued and like all that kind of stuff, but it is funny, not frustrating. It was like silly. Like yeah. I found myself like laughing a little bit when I shouldn't have been. Yeah, and then just like this, this uh, kind of this ending that I was just wasn't sure like fully <laughs> if I was like, is this good? Like what you know? Yeah, we're gonna be talking the, about that in a minute here. Yeah, this sort of like uh, incestuous uh, pastoral resolution i guess to all these issues i was like <laughs> it's like the fucking painting it's like it's just ralph, it's just ralph and indiana just next to each other on the island the fl- instead of american pastoral american gothic? Just, oh, yeah, pastoral, yeah. yeah. Or, wait no it's american gothic never mind fuck i thought it was pastoral got you shit never fucking mind <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's it so it was like pretty decent i think 3.3 is where i'm going yeah paul I'm going to give it a 2.8. Nice. Um, I think I agree with Matt for the most part. I, I I mean, it was like a, it was definitely a silly reading experience. Like the melodrama was very apparent. Um, you know, I just read like a soap opera for most of it. And I really had to like try to put myself in the, in the place of a reader back then to understand the historical feministic circumstances mm-hmm. and impacts. And I just don't, I don't really know if it has any like attributable um, lasting power the way that like, you know, really great books from long ago do. I felt like, uh, I don't know. And uh, yeah, I just like didn't totally ring well for me at this present date of 2023. Um, in a way that, like, I wish Fathers and Sons did, but I was in the old book bad mood for that <laughs> book. Um, so, yeah, I just, I didn't hate the reading experience. I didn't love it at all, but I, I didn't hate it at all either. So it's like, it has to be around 2.5 for me. So I'll just bump you it up down. to 2.8. Okay. 2.8. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I am I think I'm pretty much around where y'all are at. I mean, I think that... You know, I I enjoyed the reading experience just because it was such a fucking change of pace for us and the show True. in terms of like what we normally read. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm yeah. I'm I'm sort of like getting back to my original story. I'm kind of like oddly grateful that this wasn't just another dour novel of Middle America that I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I think it's um, 
uh, yeah, so it was enjoyable for me just because just on a personal level for for just being a change of pace. Um, I agree with what Paul said. I, I don't think this is ever going to be viewed as like a, a towering classic of of this era of literature or, or, you know, something that everybody needs to read who wants to be acquainted with that era or that type of literature. Um, but, you know, I, th I thought it was enjoyable for what it was. Um, there were some, you know, at this point, kind of unintentionally, perhaps funny moments and some intentionally funny moments, I think. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I, you know, it's uh, I, I definitely would like to read more of her work. I don't know how much of it has been translated, but there's a lot of it out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought the political elements were interesting. Again, I, I think a lot of it probably went over my head uh, just because, you know whatever um but yeah i liked it uh yeah it's like a, yeah it's like i think matt pretty much nailed it it's like 3.3 3.3 3.2 for me and uh i'll throw that in the in the bag i want to read uh something she wrote sort of towards the end of her life mm, that would be interesting because even in the forward she seems almost um de on a defensive about this one mm -hmm. in a way that makes me think that even you know not think like she's explicitly like yeah look <laughs> i was young when i wrote it i stand by what i'm saying but like not maybe expressed in the best way or not really reflective of how i feel now so well because this is her like second second novel i think right like it because her uh, her first novel I th i'm pretty sure i looked this up yeah this is her second novel and her first one is like was co-written with somebody apparently so yeah. this is like her first by uh, on her own novel um, so yeah, I think that'd be really interesting to see kind of like how her writing and her career kind of like, you know, evolved after this strong debut. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that's it. That's it. And, um, thanks for listening, everybody. We, uh, hope you enjoyed the, uh, your time with us today and, um, <laughs> patreon.com slash crackers. Two bucks a month gets you uh, some good <clears throat> stuff, including, uh, you know, the full episode of this episode and all the others and the Discord and all that. This has been an episode of the Spinecrackers podcast. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.